just don't leave unread emails in my phone, Michelle. How many does your husband have? Oh, you should ask him. It's probably over 30,000. I, I should guess. text him right now. But you know what you could do now is you can go into your settings and actually turn the red dot off the notification. So it doesn't even tell you how many are like unread. No way. I would have to do that if I was. Okay. 23,764. <laughs> okay. I thought over 30. But he also has 47 unread text messages. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent you a picture of that too. That just stresses me out. We're clearly fine. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. You are made we for have each no, other. We have no problem with that. He's very responsive to me. <laughs> Hold on, how many of those well, are it, Michelle? <laughs> All right, so, so this week what we're doing is we're stepping into what really comes out of after last week, the ideas of why there is forgiveness, which leads to reconciliation. But you really have to start with the, the heaviness that we did last week of justice that that is there before you step into reconciliation because because people when you hear my attitudinal forgiveness leads to a reconciliation people think that i have to let all these people back into my lives and that's why we had to do the hardness of last week first before we get to this week so we understand what is being said and what's not being said and this is why we keep saying we want people to listen to every one of these weeks as they all go together each week will stand on its own but they really do go together and this week you look at these ideas of inward and outward forgiveness and what they look like and inward attitudinal forgiveness so that we understand what god has done and we are not carrying this weight but then eventually that should lead outward to an outward reconciled forgiveness joy snyder who's been out of town uh was out watching, of country, out of country. <laughs> way to stay engaged yeah right yeah like, i respect that she at least we watched week two uh, <laughs> yeah, she got through week two at least <laughs> on, on one of on one of our youtube uh videos she asked this question how do you get someone to forgive you take it away michelle <laughs> I think that is totally um, an act of the heart. I think we can do, and you'll talk about this, we can take steps to confess our sin, to empathize with someone in the ways that we've harmed them. But really there is this hard line between that and someone's own inner process of being able to extend forgiveness. Just like we talk about the internal part of our own forgiveness journey. That's something that's unique to each person. I think there are ways that you can express contrition. You can express um, a desire to regain trust if that's needed or follow appropriate boundaries. But really that that is a process that each person individually has to go through. That is pushing towards a reconciliation. And there's not a way to make someone forgive you. I think that the only way that you enter into another person's heart is by prayer. So you the, the Holy Spirit can do the job that we can't do. And if you really want to affect someone else's heart, you start to pray for them because this question is really looking towards reconciliation, which is a great thing to look forward to. Yeah, I think if God's changed your heart enough to want forgiveness after you've done wrong to them, you want reconciliation, I think that's a great thing. A lot of times I will want forgiveness because I'm selfish and I don't want, you know, actually it goes back to kind of what Brady said in the first video uh, that first Sunday is, you know, I just, I don't like people being mad at me. And so therefore I want to just get that taken care of nipping on the butt. So I don't ever have to think about it again, but the heart, the deeper issue of why well, truly want forgiveness. I need forgiveness, not because I need it, but because 
it's also what's best for the other person. It's hard to even get to that point. And it's the spirit's work, I think, mm-hmm. in us to, to bring us there. It's also important to know the limitations of someone else's forgiveness, like meaning it's bearing on you, right? It's not the same as God's salvation of us and his forgiveness. And I could see how it'd be easy to also make an idol out of someone's withheld forgiveness of you. Joy, I want to know, how do you get someone to not interrupt you and not pose as you? (laughs) (laughs) This week's resource, kind of a two-parter, first three pages is how do we reconcile? Um, This is when you have sinned against another. Uh, Real repentance has three aspects. And when another has sinned against you. And then part B is going to be what to do when someone refuses reconciliation. Um, These came out of the Tim Keller book. Uh, and goes along with kind of Joy Snyder's question a little bit. Um, but also, ideally, these are very practical, give some examples on what to say. So hopefully everyone grabs one of these and um, it can be useful. Speaking of heaviness of last week, uh, I don't know if you were ready for the impact can you ever be ready for something like that it was not even on my radar that it was going to be as heavy as it became in the room so for those who aren't here we talked about kind of this idea of abuse and forgiveness and but seeking justice uh in the midst of it and and the tightness of this and you shared yeah rachel Mm -hmm. denhollander uh her parts of her story and first first you got kind of emotional because you had something just the day before come up in your life um, and so I think God used all this emotion to bring about a, a, a kind of a safe place for some people to deal with. Uh, and so we ended up having several people pray, uh, come back with prayer and some ongoing conversations since Sunday. I'd be curious for any GC leaders listening, if there was any, how conversations went mm-hmm. in their groups this week, if any happened because we did kind of talk about that last week about kind of being prepared, um, but also wondering for you guys, what trauma is obviously probably more rampant than we realize. And people are dealing with it sitting in the chairs next to us and around us um, than we realize. And so how can we be better at responding and what, what, what might we do going forward to help both us respond and also those um, in the midst of what's going on? Yeah, I'm really encourage about I think what God's bringing to light through this series uh, I know it's very heavy it can be very overwhelming for people in the midst of it that maybe we're surprised by the things coming to the surface I think we can go a long way as a community to trying to provide safety and gentleness so how do we need to grow in that area um, one thing that I've been thinking a lot about throughout this series is you know Tim Keller's is very reformed, cognitive, heady guy. And that's not bad, but oftentimes trying to walk people through kind of the theology of this, it's not necessarily going to meet someone that's like in the the raw space of their trauma. And then how to like hold space for people. We talked about this a little bit last week, but avoiding platitudes, again, being patient with like theological reasoning, naming injustice and pain, emphasizing to people that forgiveness is a process. It's not like they have to get it right today being willing to listen mm-hmm. i think that that could be key. like you know after second service when i sat down and with the couple and just and just listened mm-hmm. you know i wasn't there to offer advice in that moment i was just there 
to listen. I don't want to scare people off from entering into caring for people in the wake of trauma, but I think it is important to be especially intentional and knowing that there is the possibility of actually compounding harm or, or further harming people, especially in communities of faith, because there are just so many intersections that can be confusing in terms of theology and authority and uh, quote unquote doing the right thing. The shame can just flourish in a situation like that. And so I think being willing to move toward people with curiosity and patience and gentleness, being willing to listen, as you said, and just conveying with your presence that it's not too much, which a lot of survivors can feel as well. We don't just we don't want to just move on from this moment. Exactly. We had a powerful treat this moment. this in isolation. Right. And so what's a next step a GC leader could hear this week if they have someone in their group that there is dealing on some level with trauma or... I think for one, go in at the expectation that this likely will continue to come up. Those points of awareness can just be really heavy and difficult and overwhelming uh, if it's felt like that has to occur in isolation. So I think just if you factor that consideration into how you approach your gatherings or your time with your group or just in your pastoral care of those within your GC, I would encourage you just to follow up. And if it doesn't come up organically, make a point of of reaching out to those that have maybe voiced their own stories of trauma or abuse, continue to hold space for that. And, you know, sometimes we can go into a a gathering rigidly um, with an idea of like how firm our structure needs to be, but be willing to set that aside to care for people that are struggling in the moment, especially in the wake of this series. Because that really is from, from a healing perspective in regard to trauma. It's one of the most powerful things you could probably do as a fellow believer. I think looking ahead, we're talking about ways we can put together resources and um, potentially a support group as well. That would be short term. Are, yeah, we, are so we asking our GC leaders to kind of go at this alone or how how and when should they be talking to you mm-hmm. kind of as, as everyone's coach? Uh, I don't want anyone to feel like they're not equipped to... And during these situations and provide care, I think an added layer of intentionality is huge here. But if you are looking for extra guidance, uh, maybe on some trauma-informed principles or how to more appropriately appropriately care for those in your groups, uh, anyone can reach out to me anytime if they want assistance with that. You know, to be clear, we're not asking all of our GC leaders to be therapists, but I think... um, as lay leaders within the church, we all can grow more trauma informed because that's just going to equate to healthier ministry. You know, trauma is is so much more prevalent probably than than many would assume. And I think to be a truly redemptive community, if we can enter into one another's stories with grace and safety, it can go such a long way to facilitate healing. And so, um, I would encourage leaders just it's okay if feelings of overwhelm come up, but just know that um, you have the Holy Spirit to equip you and empower you and you don't have to go into this alone. And likewise, if you are a survivor that is feeling like you have a story, you know, it's not too much to be known and loved by your community. Aaron touched on this a little bit in the message, but 
sometimes this idea of reconciliation can be weaponized against survivors of abuse. And there's already um, maybe this existence of shame and that can just be exacerbated when people feel like, oh my gosh, you're asking, you're asking me or demanding that I go back and confront my abuser and we're supposed to live at peace when really I think there's so much freedom when we think about reconciliation. And I know Aaron's going to jump into that, that um, reconciliation isn't devoid of consequences. Reconciliation always requires repentance um, from the one who has committed a wrongdoing. Um, so to end this episode, uh, I, Michelle, would you mind just praying over our leaders as a way to end this episode? Yeah, absolutely. Father, we thank you that you are God who sees and knows and identifies with our pain. And that fact alone brings so much comfort and security when we can be faced just with horrific implications of sin and brokenness and at times left to wonder like who sees, who understands, uh, who will do something about this. And you are the answer to each of those questions. I, I pray for element and our leaders, um, everyone right now that is going through this series and you're shining a light on sin and brokenness and pain. Uh, it can be so tough to, to look at those things closely and examine um, the cost of such sin. And yet you are showing us um, how you work redemptively in those places of brokenness and bringing things to light um, so that you may heal and restore I pray for our leaders that um, as they shepherd the people under their care in their communities, that um, throughout it all, even in their questions or maybe overwhelm of not knowing what to do, that um, they, their focus would be on your heart and how you have entered into our world and our pain and suffering that you don't shy away from it, but you actually identify with it and you took it upon yourself. And that is a model of how we are to move toward others, that we would provide a place of safety and love and gentleness, um, that we would fight against shame and isolation, that we would encourage people to be known um, that we would do our part in building trust so that people would actually feel safe as apart from just knowing that they're safe. I pray that element would be uh, a community in which you continue to facilitate your healing I pray that as a result of this series that each of us um, would come to more deeply know your great love for us and the work that you are doing in the world on such a, a large scale. And sometimes we, um, we think myopically about forgiveness 
and yet the, the implications of a gospel approach to conflict and wrongdoing um, across the world is just so magnificent. And it's exciting to think about it that way. We talk about systemic injustice, but it, it's even more amazing to think about systemic healing and what you're doing uh, through your church. And so I pray that you would encourage uh, our leaders to remember that they are such a vital part of that as you ask us to partner with you in your redemptive work. Amen. Amen.